Welcome to Schooled by Mr. Baskin. I have been working with young people for 27 years plus now, and I've loved it, all of it, even the tough times. I am using this time to reconnect with older students or to just kind of express what's on my mind. And now, not just about what I've done in the classroom, but what I've done on the football field. Hopefully it helps me kind of get thoughts out and also helps you kind of appreciate all the work that goes into being a teacher and a coach. All right, Mr. Bascom, Coach Bascom, Kurt, whatever. <laughs> um, time for my weekly podcast. And this week I was thinking about what am I going to talk about? Last week I spoke on um, social emotional learning and that segued into a lot of different uh, issues concerning how we treat our students and what opportunities we give them to grow and how the, sometimes that, that emphasis on being concerned about a student's well-being can be gamed, can be taken for granted by some. But overall, it's fundamentally a good thing to be concerned with our, our, our student's social and emotional well-being. But that extends to teachers. I mean, that's what I'm going to talk about today. So I'm kind of, if this has a title, it would be social-emotional teaching. And in the sense of um, the concern for our background as teachers, like our well-being, our background, our, our point of view, is that being recognized enough? Or is it all being overemphasized? Because it can be a little both like anything. I'm 52, and I'm on the back nine of my career. I've said that several times. The last few years, though, especially since COVID and since, you know, since I turned 50, really, um, I'm feeling my age sometimes. I, I work very far from um, where I live. It's anywhere between 60 to 75 miles, depending on the, the route I'm taking home. You know, with COVID, we started working, you know, remotely at times and then in a hybrid manner where we were online for some students and in person for other students. Things have been different since then. Students that stayed home, many of them were home for a year, a year and a half, almost two years. And they got were used to learning remotely where they didn't have to interact and engage the same way. They just kind of had to take in the material, take in the lesson, complete the work, send it in. Oftentimes, at least in the Bronx, where, I, where I'm teaching, many students that never even turned on the camera. There was entirely possible to go the entire year without seeing a student's face. And that had an effect on me, when, this, especially when the students came back. While they were away initially, it, in some ways it was easier. It was just like deliver the material. There was the absence of emotion and, and connection, but the actual delivering of a lesson in a lot of ways was easier especially if you were tech savvy. I'm relatively decent on a computer. So a lot of the, the trappings of, you know, creating Google Docs and, and slideshows and then transmitting them through a Google Classroom for, for me wasn't that difficult. It was for some and that just added to their stress level. But for me, it, it wasn't that difficult. You know, so in some ways it was easier. But the problem for me came back when they came back. You know, we have students that are caught up in their technology and their phone in front of them. So there, there wasn't the same desire to learn from them, especially in the way that I've been delivering lessons for all these years, where I'm, I'm acting things out, I'm walking around the room, I'm using different voices, I'm using video and music and literature and having real vibrant discussions with the kids and letting them have vibrant discussions and debates and things. That seemed to have fallen by the wayside a little bit once they came back. We're in the process of trying to win it back, but 
we're still, in some ways, I, I see, especially with the students that are, you know, in eighth grade, I, I see them cha- challenged by this a little bit more. It, it's harder for them to really reach out. Some of them, certainly, but but not as much as, you know, kids three and four years ago. But I also think part of that is on me. You know, I've changed a little bit. I got used to teaching from home a little bit. I think teachers like me went through that COVID crisis and being home and it altered us a little bit. So when I bring up social emotional teaching, I want to make sure that teachers are being treated properly and shown a certain level of respect. And sometimes they are, you know, a lot of times teachers have been through a lot and not just with COVID, but through their life. I know for me, my backstory helps me be the a hopefully effective teacher and coach that I am because I'm very honest and forthright about the things that I've gone through. And I use those things as motivating tools for myself and for my players and for my students. It also allows me to kind of connect more abstract material to them in a way that makes more sense because I can connect that historic moment or that historic concept to something more practical, something more realistic. And that that's worked for me over time. So I think it's really important that we're honest and forthright with our students. I don't know sometimes, though, that that's wanted. <laughs> I, I, my, my principal and the people around me seem to be, for the most part, supportive of me expressing those things in the way that I do. They don't get in my way necessarily. But I do feel, generally speaking, that there's been this push for conformity in the classroom a little bit. And we're going to tell you, yes, you know, we're concerned with your well-being. And yes, we, we, we really care about you and we appreciate and respect your diversity and, and your, your point of view and your perspective and your method of, of teaching and your method of being who you are. We, we respect that and we appreciate that. And we know it's an important element of your teaching career and your experience being a leader in front of these children. But sometimes it just feels like talk a little bit. Sometimes it feels a little bit uh, insincere. And I hate to say that. That Maybe I'm jaded. Maybe because I've been doing this so long. But sometimes when, when we hear certain messages come from higher-ups, and I'm not speaking about anyone necessarily specifically that I work for now or have ever worked for, although there are some people I've worked for that were clearly insincere. I wouldn't say that's the case now. But sometimes when we hear these messages about, oh, we care so much about you and we want to know that you're okay and we want you to, you know, talk about your diversity and, and be open and forthright. That, that's said to us, but sometimes it just feels very contrived. Like this is just something you say. You know, it's almost kind of when, you know, um, February just passed, it's African American History Month and I've seen a lot of memes and people making kind of dry humor jokes about how, well... Now it's March. Now I can take off that suit of showing concern. And it's funny in in part because sometimes it's true. Sometimes it feels like people are just putting on an air. Oh, this is what we're supposed to do this time of year, so we'll do that. Oh, we're supposed to act like we're committed to our kids in the classroom, so we'll play that role, especially in the beginning of the year. You know, we'll we'll say how, how much we love these kids and how much we care so much about them. But a lot of people don't really come through. And when it comes to looking out for teachers, unfortunately, that can be the same thing. Oh, you're, you guys are fantastic and, and, and you're leading the next generation. And, and if you believe that, 
then maybe you might treat us a little better. Maybe we wouldn't have to fight and struggle for a new contract so often. Maybe we wouldn't be vilified at times in the media when something goes sideways, you know. Um, that, that's it's one of the challenges I, I, I'm feeling as a teacher that's been doing this for, for forever. I feel like I, I've seen so much of this over all this time where somebody's telling me one thing. They're telling me that we care, that teachers matter, that your job's important, that you are at the apex of, of leading the next generation. And then we get ignored or we get our, our concerns aren't met properly. That, that, that's my concern. And I feel that that's probably true. And it's probably true of a lot of professions, you know, maybe, you know, whether you're being a doctor or an actor, whatever it might be, there's probably a lot of professions that feel, you know, overlooked or underappreciated. Teaching's no exception. You know, we're, we're not superheroes. You know, I don't, don't believe that either. We, we try really hard. I believe firmly that we fight on the side of the angels, that our fight is a good one, you know, in trying to help young people and helping them, you know, learn about their history and learn fundamental skills, but also learning how to interact with people that they're not related to, you know, how, how to socialize with people outside of their house, outside of their building, outside of their, their neighborhood. That, that's what you're really taking away from school. You know, how, how do I interact with all these people that I'm not related to? How do, how do I multitask to make sure that I can handle everything in a timely, responsible manner? That, that's what we're teaching you. You're not going to remember the Pythagorean theorem soon after school ends for you. You're not going to remember, you know, the five steps of the Reconstruction Acts of 1867 Soon enough, you're not going to remember those things, but you're going to remember how you were treated and how you were appreciated. And you're also going to remember the skills involving handling responsibility and pushing your brain the same way that, you know, a weightlifter might push their body. You're going to appreciate those things. But in all the years of doing this, sometimes it just feels like, yeah, we, we, we know that those people are doing those things, but we almost take it for granted. You know, people just look at teachers like, oh, yeah, that's just something you do because, you know, you didn't know what to do in college, so you decided to do this. It is an easy gig. You're off summers. Your day's over by 3 o'clock. You got good benefits. And there's a lot more to it than that. And even the people in positions of leadership in this country, whether they're politicians or um, authority figures, you know, even in the Board of Ed, even in the system of education, you know, a lot of, a lot of times it can feel like just a, a snow job, just something I'm going to say to sound proper to sound correct and we need to push through that a little bit more i i wish there was a, a a greater true emphasis on appreciating a teacher's point of view and the way that they do things especially once they've put some time in especially and, and maybe i'm i'm being very very uh self-minded here and talking about this because i've been doing this a long time and i don't think a teacher in their first few years has the ability to kind of speak with a conviction yet although some do and can but I, I want there to be a greater emphasis on the importance of what we do and how we're treated. Are we treated with that social, emotional understanding, the way that we're promoting that we teach our, that we take care of our, our young people, our, our learners? I, I wonder, you know, and I, I think one of the key parts for making sure that happens for 
teachers and people interested in going into the teaching field is that you're forthright, that you're honest, that you're direct, that not that you demand respect necessarily like order it. You, you should demand respect. You should expect to be respected, but respect is earned and you should work for it and you should talk through your challenges a little bit, but you should also be willing to, to fall on your, your butt a little bit and learn from your mistakes. And there should be a certain level of patience, but it shouldn't just be, oh, you're also wonderful. We're not also wonderful. We're not. There are some people here that are in it just for the summers off and the 3 p.m. dismissal. And, oh, I get, you know, a good dental plan. You know, I, I, I think there's some teachers that take advantage of the fact that, oh, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm special. And even if they're doing their job crappy, you know, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. There's some people there that say, oh, I love the children, but then why are you so mean to them? Why do you seem to hate them? Why do the kids not like you? You know, there's the old adage, oh, you don't want them to, you don't want to be friends with them. No, but you want to create a positive rapport. You want open lines of communication. You want them to trust and respect you, not simply because you're the tallest person in the room or the adult in the room or the oldest person in the room. And there are some teachers that they like the role of teacher, the title of teacher, but they don't like the work that comes with it. That, that's my thing when it comes to social emotional learning. I hope that there's a more genuine understanding to the, the whole existential idea of being a teacher. I think teachers should get better paid, but I think it should be a lot harder to become a teacher, you know. But once you're in the profession, there should be certain levels of protection for you. Protection, one, for put some kid in this place, not physically, obviously, not yelling or insulting the child, but it shouldn't be like, I'm immediately afraid to deal with a, a difficult child because, oh, that parent's going to complain on me and then I'm going to be in trouble. So as a result, you just let bad behavior slide because you're afraid. You know, we have to be more than that, you know, and, and that comes with respect for the job and it comes with better training for the job. You know, I, I didn't, major in education. I didn't take a single education class until I started teaching. And maybe that's what helped me. You know, I had a really terrible job beforehand and a challenging childhood, let's say, growing up. And, you know, so I went to the school of hard knocks a little bit. So I didn't have to fit some cookie cutter plan. But a lot of the teachers that did major in education, they, you know, they weren't taught real life stuff real practical classroom stuff necessarily. They didn't hand, learn classroom management. They didn't learn how to really deal with a parent. They didn't really do, learn how to deal with a, an administrator and an observation and how that works. You know, so when faced with these things, some of the teachers would wither unless they found a social circle that would in some ways be positive and scaffold them and help them learn their profession better. But sometimes those people would just kind of yeah, this job sucks. Yeah, I hate it here. Yeah, that principal's no good. Yeah, these kids are a pain in the neck. And then you kind of fall into that web of complaint and bitching, to be honest, where it, it's not me, it's them. And there's no reflection. I mean, there's no accountability for some people. You know, there's just a couple times a year, hey, teacher appreciation week. And the beginning of school, oh, you guys truly are heroes. Or when a politician's running for office where they'll say, you know, you, you lead our future. You know, they'll say these kind of cliched things, but are they really following through? Are they really supporting us the way they, that we need to be supported? Sometimes, but not enough. But it's on us as teachers, as coaches, as people that are working in the education field in any manner, whether it's on a field, 
on a basketball court, in a classroom, in a lab, to, to make sure that we learn from our experiences and make the people in front of us learn better than we did. Even if we had an excellent education, even if we had fantastic teachers in a fantastic school, God bless you if you had all of that. I don't know if I had that entirely, but you know, you should be able to pick from the positives of what you learned, but you should also be able to learn from the negatives. Well, I'm not going to do that. You know, I had a teacher years ago that would just sixth and seventh grade social studies, all we did was draw maps. You know, and if you tried speaking to him about something, well, that's not fair. Well, life is not fair. And he thought it was hilarious, you know. And But I didn't really learn anything in two years of being in that person's classroom. You know, whereas when I got to eighth grade, my, my social studies teacher there, he had a kind of volatile temper, but he also tried to talk about real things. And he was the first teacher I had as far as history that really allowed me to have a voice, allowed me to express my point of view. You know, so I, I picked from both of those. You know, I did get pretty good at drawing maps, you know, but I also learned that you have to create an engaging lesson. You also have to allow the kids to have a voice. And I think there has to be an emphasis in the higher-ups about definitely supporting your teachers and encouraging them and letting them know that they're respected. But it can't be fake. It can't be, oh, I'm just going to say this and then not give you the support. Or I'm going to say these things and then say, all right, just follow this path, follow this playbook and do it this way. You know, to heck with your voice, to heck to your experience or your style. You know, and... There has to be, you know, like everything, there has to be a, a happy medium. You know, you can't have teachers going in there doing whatever the heck they feel like, you know. But at the same time, there's got to be a little of that. You know, there, it's sort of like, I guess, like writing a song. You, you want the song to connect to you and to your heart, but you also want some technique to it as well. And, you know, while I love Tool and Pink Floyd and I have these 10 and 12 and 15 minute songs... Sometimes I like a three-minute song as well, you know, sometimes. So there's many ways to do it. And I think we can be better. Our system can be better about supporting our teachers so that they can do those things a little bit more, more consistently. I've got, realistically, probably three more years in the classroom. I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been doing this for, like, I, I, I almost feel like I'm bragging about it. It, it, it. People that know me, if they were playing, like, Kurt Baskin bingo, mentioning the number of years of my career would be in one of those boxes on a bingo box. I know it. But I also know that I've been doing this so long that, you know, when you see younger people coming and you see younger students responding to them a certain kind of way, it's like, all right, well, this this is a sign that, this this job, this profession has done me well, but it might be time to start, you know, looking at what comes after. And I'm not there yet, but I, I think it's a good sign for anyone to be aware of their level of appreciation and how much they appreciate what they're doing. I still love teaching, I do, but I know I don't have quite the same passion for it. And I don't want to stay in it so long that I become bitter and jaded. I, did, I have seen that over the years. And given the support situation from, you know, politicians and from people higher up in the education management business, 
sometimes it, it's real easy to become jaded when you don't feel supported, when you don't feel loved, when you feel like your experiences aren't anything special, you know, and, and they are. I think the best teachers are teaching from the heart and are teaching with an honesty to what they've been through and what they're trying to convey to their students. And I think the students really lock on to those things. So as I move into the, the latter parts of my career, I just want to make sure that I'm not here too long and become jaded because it could happen to anybody. You know, I look in certain fields, whether it's music where an artist sticks around and they keep putting music out there and after a while, it's just, it's not the same thing. They're, they're just doing it to keep doing it. And I'm, I'm sure they still love it, but sometimes it must feel like just color by numbers. Or, you know, you see, I'm trying to think of another profession where maybe you stick around too long. With professional sports, you know, you love the accolades and the acclaim, but maybe you're just doing it for the money. And because you like hearing your name called out and your team called out, you love that, that 60 minutes of, of intensity. But other elements of the game have kind of moved past you. And now because you're kind of trapped in it, you can't move past. And I want to be able to move clean. When I do decide to retire, I want to be on to my next endeavor, not kind of trapped in my past or wondering whether or not I should have done what I did when I retire. And I think the easiest way to facilitate young teachers, those puppies and the old dogs like me, is to make sure that there's a consistency and an honesty by the higher-ups in talking to us, in showing their appreciation, but also in their expectations of us. They should want more from us. They shouldn't be afraid to confront us. And that, that's, you know, that gets into union stuff a little bit, but it's also where at the end of the day, all of us, if we can do better, then we need to do better. You know, I tell my students, if you can be great, why wouldn't you be great? And I think anyone that goes into any profession should have that mentality, but absolutely teaching. You're, you're taking young people and you're trying to teach them things that they wouldn't know otherwise and that they need to know because you've been there and you understand what it takes to be an adult. And again, not the specifics. No one's going to ask you, you know, the scientific method. Nobody's going to ask you, you know, to break down the elements of the coercive acts in, after the Boston Tea Party. But you're going to have to be able to use fundamental understandings. You're going to have to be able to relate situations. And you do need to know fundamental history. You don't want to sound like an idiot when you get into a real conversation with educated people. And you do need to know how to balance your checkbook and invest in the stock market. And you do need to understand you know, climate change and fundamental things about our earth and planet because there are people out there saying, oh, it's snowing in California. What happened to climate change? And they sound like morons. You know, so there's still a lot out there that we need to know and learn and appreciate. But it comes from the teacher having that drive to push themselves and reflect and grow honestly and take feedback and handle it as well as be appreciated for what they're going through, the challenges in being a young teacher or the challenges of the early parts of their life and the, the diversity that they're bringing to this job. And it also comes from administrators being supportive and tough at the same time, that empathy and structure. And it also comes from the young people. You know, they sometimes, you know, people say, oh, these kids today. But, yeah, these kids today have to understand that this isn't hangout time. You know, we're trying to get you prepared for the next step. And if you're not prepared for that next step things aren't going to go the way you hope if you're listening awesome keep listening spread the word like this subscribe and i'm close to a thousand listens i really want to get there 
soon. I'm hoping this maybe puts us over the top. So, all right, with that, I'm going to go be good.